buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. What is happening, sales hustlers? Welcome to another episode. I have got a fantastic guest for you today. I'm going to be talking with Megan Lamke, who has become a friend recently and is nothing less than a sales badass. She has made President's Club eight times while at Wells Fargo, has made President's Club at Seamless.ai, and is making Brandon Bernanson create a eight figure sales president's club award because she has crushed the ceiling. Uh, Megan Lemke is a CEO that still sells today, managing over, uh, half a million dollars in her real estate business that has, uh, that is also doing a lot of good, which we will dive into as well. Megan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Colin. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Give us your sales story and keep it short so we can get into the good stuff. Yeah. So Graduated college, took my first job out of college working for Wells Fargo, um, just smiled and dialed and crushed it in sales and hit President's Club a bunch. Um, from there, I went to work for a lot of fast-growing technology companies, eventually left the rat race and decided I wanted to create passive income and develop my own company. So now I'm the CEO of Megan Lampke Real Estate, and we invest in apartment buildings that generate passive income and impact investing. So our portfolio is over 2,200 units right now, valued at just over half a million dollars. Mm, wow. Okay. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't stop there. Tell us about some of the good things that you guys are doing. Yeah. So some of the really fun things that we get to do now that um, I went through this journey of financial freedom and using sales to pay off massive amounts of debt is we get to rescue girls from sex trafficking in Southeast Asia. So every apartment building that we close, a portion of the net profits from that goes towards building border patrol stations or providing education and safety and um, just a whole bunch of resources that help women and young girls become entrepreneurs, develop those business muscles, and then change their life and have the skills to transform their lives and the communities that they're a part of. Wow. How did you get into that? Yeah. So I networked with a bunch of business owners at a couple of galas and ran into some who owned Venture and Venture um, collaborated with them to create this program called Business for Good, where entrepreneurs, business owners like myself can 
have a measurable unit for every business activity and relate that towards a cause, whether it's trafficking or refugee crisis or food stability. Um, And so that's how I got connected with venture, just going to galas and eating dry chicken. You you never know who you're going to meet at those tables. Yeah. And so tell us about the podcast that you have now and what people can expect from that. Yeah. So our business for good podcasts, uh, we interview entrepreneurs, CEOs, business executives who have this heart for the common good. They have a for-profit business that benefits people of the planet and purposes on purpose. Um, Mm. So it's really fun to hear other stories like mine of entrepreneurs who have this heart for the common good and how they're using this platform, this business that they've created to change the world, to change the economy, to change um, the planet and to be really innovative and make a difference. Awesome. And everybody can check that out on all of the platforms. All right. So now tell me hitting president's club eight times. We got to dig into that. What do you think contributed to like that sort of consistency for you? Well, it started with habits. So getting up early, doing a miracle morning routine, showing up to the office, being the first person there. So I worked for Wells Fargo during the refinance boom, AKA Mm. the market crash in 2008. Mm. So like everybody wanted to refinance because the sky was falling. And so I got to connect with more people if I was on the phone first and taking more inbound calls and then could prospect later on in the afternoon, handling more outbound calls. So structuring your day, having a routine, being the first person in the office. Um, I use scripts a ton just to figure out what worked, what didn't work and would record myself, which sounds Mm. so strange, but you record yourself and you're always your own worst critic. So figuring out what you could have said differently in each recording. The other thing that I would do is record and listen to when I was talking and when the prospect was talking. And so if I asked a question that provoked a great answer and more discovery, I would give myself a plus. But if I asked a question that was close-ended, I would give myself a minus and then went back and listened to what was I saying or how was I listening leading up to those plus and minus points and where did I lose somebody? So just that, yeah. And and so what sort of insights did you learn from that? And how did you use those learning lessons to just fully crush it and hit (laughs) President's Club eight times? I'm probably going to say that eight more times throughout this interview. So what I learned is just how to ask really open-ended questions and be genuinely curious about people and what their goals are and what they're trying to do. Um, And if I stalled out or I didn't know what to say next, I would ask them like personal questions. So um, a perfect example is I was working with an investor at Wells Fargo and we were trying to figure out what refinances would work best for them. And then I got stuck and I was like, Hey, you have like this giant portfolio. Why do you do this? Like, what's the why behind all of these things? And they went into this huge, amazing story about how they have kids that with special needs and they wanted to create a way to have generational wealth so that their portfolio could continue to take care of their kids. And so it connected us on a human level. So that was the big crux is like, if I could find a way to connect with somebody 
in the first five minutes on a human level, they would be my customer. They would send me referrals, like whatever the sales cycle looked like after that, I knew we had this human to human connection. So that's really it is like, I crushed it by being a human mm-hmm. <laughs> in the first five minutes. And like, why is that not so simple for people? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why it's like, it, I don't know. Now, is that something that just came natural for you? Like, were you just naturally a curious person or is that a muscle that you just developed over time from like really just listening to your calls and said, Hey, I could have done something different here. I think it's both. And I'm, I've always been a really curious person, but I learned how to ask the right questions and how to influence by reading a ton of sales books. Like if you are in sales and you have not read how to win friends and influence people, like start there. (laughs) um, So that really helped a lot of listening to my own calls where I felt like I had hustle and flow and where I felt like I was stalling out and just focusing on that continuous improvement and learning from my mistakes. I also learned how to walk away from customers where I was like, this is not a good fit. Like, I think you're awesome, but I'm going to say no. And it's okay to say no in sales and like, quote unquote, fire your prospects or fire your your It takes, it takes some discipline and courage to do that. And I know how important it is because it's so easy to, you know, and sometimes it's even the ones that like the deals are bigger or they're willing to pay you more, but you know, they're the ones that are just going to be total time suckers. And like, no matter what you do, they're probably not going to be happy. And it takes a lot of discipline to be like, I could help so many more people if I don't do business with this person for whatever reason. Right. And One example that comes to mind for that is I was working at SPS Commerce and in sales, and I was doing this call on a speakerphone with a bunch of SDRs listening in. Mm -hmm. And it was my SDR had brought this great lead and we were listening to them say what they were saying in this discovery call. And I hit mute on the phone, which is a whole nother sales tool. But I Mm -hmm. look at my SDR and I'm like, we're going to walk from this one. Like, I know you work so hard, but she is so much of a block. Like we're not going to win this. So we should cut our losses now and say, Hey, we'll still be friends when you need some, someone, when you have a real business reason for change and stuff is broken, come back to me, but we're going to pass. And he was like, it's okay. We're going to find more like that. was, And so in front of this whole room of SDRs, I like had this breakup call with a lead. It was like refreshing, but also it took a lot of guts. And- yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's really what I think a lot of sellers miss is like, it's not about like more deals or more prospects or more meetings. It's about the right ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the right ones can mean more of the right ones and mm-hmm. being disciplined enough because you got to be super protective of your time. Like you can only serve yeah. so many people in a day. And what type of people do you want to be serving? The people that kind of value what you do, the people that like don't really have a problem that they care about solving. And it's more about price. Like you got to do the qualification, not just for your prospect, but also for yourself. Right. And the faster you can get to that qualification at the top of the funnel before you're in discovery, the better it is for your business, the better it is for your pipeline, the better it is for your chances to hit president's club. Like just 
handle that top of funnel with who is going to help you effectively use your time and who might waste your time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now as a CEO that still sells like myself, um, what is it that you love about sales? I love like the chase and the hunt, but that's Mm. just like, I'm a geek when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I think of myself as this like data ninja where I use tools like Hunter IO, Seamless AI, uh, white pages, like gather all this data on the avatar that I'm going after. So I can have that human connection in the first couple of minutes. Like what I sell now is, you know, five to six figured out or six figure investments. Like I'm not going to build trust and have people know, like, and trust me if I don't have that human connection first. Mm. And so, so I'm curious, what does a cold outreach from Megan Lemke look like? Okay. So straight up cold outreach, I message somebody on LinkedIn, but I only do so after scrolling all the way down to their profile. And it says interests, causes, like the nonprofits that they care about, where they volunteer. And I say, Hey, it looks like you volunteer at uh, feed my starving children. Tell me, how did you get involved in there? I love volunteering there. And our company actually contributes to them monthly. I would love to hear your story. If you have time to connect, I'd love to hear it. And so building that friendship first, like they're naturally going to ask me, oh my gosh, Megan, tell me about your story. How is your business involved? But I don't have to strive to be like, oh my gosh, this is our business is the best thing since sliced bread. And if you want to reduce your taxes, then you should talk to me and we have great investments. Like I'm not going to word vomit all of the features and benefits all over them. I'm going Mm -hmm. to say, hey, I'm generally interested in this stuff that you care about that's near and dear to your heart. Do you want to be friends and like talk about how we could mutually benefit each other or at least hear your story? of why you like this nonprofit or why you volunteer here or why um, children and uh, economic empowerment is important to you. But see, here's the thing, right? Is you actually do care. Like you really do care about like being curious and finding out more about them and what they do. And like, if it makes sense to do business, great. And if it doesn't, that's fine too. Yeah. Cause each person is connected to like 250 to 300 people in their friends and family, let alone their LinkedIn network. So you never know who you're going to connect mm. with that can be an advocate for you. Like that's maybe that, I, all right. Hold on. Let's, let's <laughs> not, let's not skip over that because that is yeah. such an important piece. Um, something that I teach, you know, my team is like, Hey, regardless of what the, what happens in the relationship, like whether you just network with them, you meet with them, you do business, you don't do business, you do business and stop doing business. Like the goal is to make sure that they had a good experience. Yeah. And and that's because of what you said, like you never know who they know or just because they don't have the budget or whatever their scenario is like that could change tomorrow. It could change next month. It could change Mm -hmm. next year. You don't know who's in their network. Like it's so important to treat everybody equally, regardless Mm -hmm. of like how their profile looks, how many connections they have, where they work, where they don't work, like treat everybody the same, like have that same level of interest. And I I think that that is exactly what you're doing. And how do you think that has impacted your business? I feel like that's the whole reason why I'm in business. Like we would have not have survived 2020 
if I didn't focus on people over profit, like if I didn't focus on how in the world are you doing executive woman, because we're all dealing with our screaming children and trying to run a company, like, how can I help you? (laughs) Like as a mom to mom, what can I do for you? Uh, And if I didn't focus on that, we wouldn't have survived 2020, like straight up, just that's the way it would have been. Yeah. And, and people are looking for that people like, and, and they can tell when you're like faking that you actually give a crap versus like, you're genuinely just interested in connecting, learning, getting to know them, seeing how maybe you can help. And I think the key is like what you said is like in that cold outreach, right? When you reach out, like you generally do your research so that you reach out in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing you get a pretty good response rate of, of the people that actually are willing to hop on a call or Zoom with you. Yeah. So the best part is I've trained our virtual assistants and SDRs to do this for me and use the scripts that I use. So now I just handle it once somebody's booked a call with me. Yeah. yeah. So- yeah. Response rate is like 90 plus, but yeah. again, we're focusing on the human aspect of right. sales. Right. Right. So, and it's not a sales conversation unless they ask, which in most cases right. they do, I'm right. sure. Right. And, and so I do like similar where it's like, Hey, you know, let's hop on a virtual coffee and get acquainted. And people, people's mind are blown when you're like, wait, you don't want to sell me anything. Like, no. you don't want to pick, like, what do you, like, I don't even talk about what I do until they're like literally begging me to tell them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or another strategy is, Hey, I'm not going to sell you anything, but I want to interview you for my podcast because I want to talk to other business owners like us. Can you tell yeah. me why you're passionate about X, Y, and Z nonprofit? And would you want to be on my inner, on my podcast? All right, but and let's then, not, let's not tell too many okay. people about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like people start with, when this, when the cat's out of the bag, then people, tr- you know, automate it and scale it and ruin it. So let's, I know. let's, no, let's keep that one on uh, the DL. Marketing people, uh, man. <laughs> only, only uh sales hustler exclusive information there. No. Yeah, it is. I mean, in collaborating with your prospects or the people that are your ideal customers in any capacity, whether it's a podcast or, you know, networking events or a video YouTube series, whatever, like find a way to collaborate with them, learn about them, shine a light on them, lift them up, um, is a winning strategy, whether it's podcast, you know, networking event, something educational, like collaborating with the people that you want in your world is like a super smart way to just add value first to them before you ask for anything. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Adding value is so key. And Uh, We talked about this a little bit, but one of the things that new SDRs or new business development reps really struggle with, or that I've noticed when I was an SDR is how do you have that genuine curiosity? How do you develop that? So it doesn't sound fake. Uh, So one of the things that I did when I was at SPS is I literally went through every single product that we owned in our house and was like, why in the world did I buy this? I'm going to put this in an Excel spreadsheet. Like at the time I was gluten-free, dairy-free, and then just started reaching out to the CEOs of these companies and asked them, why did you start this product, this brand? I love it. I'm a huge fan, but who were you trying to target? Like, and genuinely get that story out of them before I ever tried to sell them 
EDI software. <laughs> like, so yeah, you can it's... do that with anything, regardless of whatever your hobby is. Here's here's the here's the hard part, right? Is you can't scale that, you can't automate that, and you can't fake that, right? right. So that's why I think it's really hard for a lot of people to adopt that way of selling, you know, because so many people are looking for the quick fix. They're looking for the silver bullet. They're looking for the perfect script, the perfect, you know, cold email, the perfect, you know, LinkedIn DM. And like, these are just real dynamic ways of interacting with people that isn't as scalable. Right. It's going to take actual work and hustle and like, All of these scripts are great tools and great arrows in your quiver, but they don't mean anything if you can't get that curiosity and that human connection first. All right. So let's talk about prospecting. Let's talk. I know you're a big component of LinkedIn. What do you see people doing that they shouldn't be doing? And maybe some of those people might be listening and how can we give them some good feedback? Yeah. Well, first... I've been there. I've done this. So I'm speaking from experience, but if you are the type of person where you simply add a connection to someone and you don't customize the request, shame on you. Like you need to customize the request and personalize that note to say, Hey, I noticed your profile, blah, 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 intrigued me. It looks like we have something in common. Let's talk about this human to human aspect do not connect and sell right away. It's the biggest turnoff. Like I literally, when someone sends me a connection request and a DM with, Hey, I want to book, you should book 15 minutes on my calendar. And I want to sell you all of this, like marketing automation and SEO stuff. I'm like, you don't even know me. You just messaged me because I have CEO in my title. Like calm down. (laughs) I don't know you from Adam. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know who is teaching people that four per four paragraphs is the best practice for a LinkedIn DM, <laughs> but, um, that idea needs to be taken behind the barn. Yeah. Um, literally, yeah. I mean, short messages are much better and like, look, you don't have to personalize every message, really just the first one. And then some follow-ups with some classic bumps, you right. know, like, Hey, any thoughts? Um, I'm a big component of using gifts, um, courtesy of my friend, Jason Bay. Um, yep. he's taught me the gift where it's just like literally you like pointing up. And then I have, <laughs> and then for those that aren't, you know, that are, those that are watching this, and then there's uh, one that I do that's, um, kind of like the breakup gift where it's like a sad face like this and they work <laughs> extremely well. And the first message is personalized and then it's just having fun with the, the follow-ups. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think I can't, I'm shocked that people are still using that type of messaging on LinkedIn because yeah, they I get it. And the problem is, is you have to reply to get them to stop because you know, it's on automation and you know, if you don't reply, you're going to get four more that look like that. Right. And so you're just like, okay, first, let me teach you how to do this better. Like I would have liked it if you said, Hey, Megan, we have a hundred mutual connections. How in the world have we not met yet? Hi, here's who I am. Do you want to get to know each other? Like super simple, two sentences. That's it. And, and, and the thing is, is like what people I think need to understand is like when they do that, they are missing 
the opportunity in so many ways because you have ruined your reputation and there's no longer, it's going to be so much harder to, to recover from that, to build trust and rapport because you ultimately think like, Hey, this person is lazy. They don't really care about me or what I care about. And they really are just in it for what's them. So like, there's so many negative associations when you use that sort of messaging that like you are literally ruining your chance of probably ever doing business with that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if that's the case, don't send the message. Like you're just going to save yourself a bunch of time. If, if you're not going to take the time to personalize it, don't send it because spraying and praying and being that squeezy salesperson is so 1990. Like, yeah. don't do that. Knock it off. You're making us look bad. <laughs> You're making us look bad. Like yeah. some people actually love selling and we're good at it. And we genuinely want to teach new people how to sell, but there's an art and science to it. And mm. it's. Now I'm, t- I wonder is if, if, if this approach actually works in any cases, like I just, I can't understand why people are still doing it. There's gotta be some people that are actually replying to this stuff. And if you're one of those people, you better stop it too. Like if you're replying <laughs> to these big, long messages with calendar links, that's like just total spam, knock it off. Yeah. I think the the sooner we ignore all of these messages, people will realize, oh, this really doesn't work. Yeah. Stop enabling bad behavior. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Um, all right. So, and so you're big about like really being personalized with your list using LinkedIn and then going deep on the research and, and segmentation. So talk to me a little bit about those, those approaches in what you do. Yeah. So I use segmentation in our CRM to personalize customer journeys, um, which is like super nerdy, but again, I don't want that generic spray and and pray mentality. When I have a sales conversation, I take people in our CRM with what I think is appropriate, um, whether they're a sophisticated investor or an active investor or um, what their timeline looks like. So I can put them on the correct email follow-up that helps me stay connected with them on a personal level. Mm. So you can't do that if you're not segmenting and if you're not forecasting your pipeline through your segmentations. And what type of segmentation would you do? Like what are the different buckets you're putting people in? So I'm putting people in different investor classes. So active investor, um, institutional investor, accredited investor, sophisticated. Uh, I'm uh, grouping people by gender. So men versus women. I'm grouping people by if they have kids or not because it's a different message. Mm. Most parents can really relate like, and there's more messaging that I have based on generational wealth. But if someone doesn't have a kid that might not resonate or hit. Um, And then there's different messaging on, on like net worth. So in my business, I ask a lot of personal financial questions, but it's because I need to know, is this, the potential for a million dollar sale? Is this the potential for a $5,000 sale? Like, Mm. and what that looks like, and there's different value props and, and communications that happen based on those segmentations. So this is kind of crossing over into more of the marketing 
marketing world, but great sellers need to be great marketers. And I think there's a lot of sellers that probably aren't doing this level of, you know, segmentation or, um, and so tell them why is this so important? So this is important. So you can send the right message, the right follow-up at the right time to the right person. Mm. So if in my business, if I'm saying, Hey, we're buying this apartment building and you weren't ready to invest until six months down the road, I'll let you know it's happening, but I'll say, don't worry, we'll have another one. Like, let me just show you along for the ride. But yeah. if you said, Hey, Megan, I am doing a 1031 exchange and I have 180 days to put my money somewhere. I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Here's our marching order. We have to go through uh, X, Y, and Z. And here's all the apartment deals that we're going to rapid fire send you. That might be a good fit based on your criteria. I don't know what a 1031 is, but it sounds like something that's like a need a little bit sooner, more immediate. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's a lot of jargon. So when you sell a piece of real estate that isn't your primary residence, you pay capital gains tax unless Mm. if you roll that profit into another like asset. And a lot of times people use that to scale up uh, their real estate portfolio. So if someone has a bunch of single family homes and they sell all of them, they have, and decides a 1031 exchange, they're looking to put them in like a multifamily asset. So a 20 unit apartment building, for example. So basically sales hustlers know your different people that you're interacting with, know their timelines, know their different pains, know what they care about so that you're not sending the same blanket best practice messaging, hoping that it maybe resonates with one of them. Cause it might resonate with somebody, but you're actually missing the mark with the rest of the people that it doesn't resonate with. Right. Yep. Exactly. Awesome. Megan, it's been fantastic having you on here. We had some technical challenges. I'm glad that we figured it out. Me too. Um, three plot thought we, it took, we, went, tried two platforms and they failed. And then we went to good old faithful zoom and, uh, here we are. And it was fantastic before I let you go, let people know anything that you want to let them know where they can find out more. Yeah. The best place to connect with me is simply our website, meganlamke.com, M-E-G-A-N-L-A-M-K-E.com. Um, we have a free ebook for anyone that wants to learn more about real estate investing. Just go to our website forward slash grit, G-R-I-T. Um, you can listen to us weekly on the Business for Good podcast where we interview amazing CEOs and leaders um, and talk about impact investing and a heart for the common good. Other than that, I'm on LinkedIn. Awesome. We will drop all of those links in the show notes for you sales hustlers. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share with your friends. And as always, we're listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out, and if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell, and if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.